On this week's TribCast, we'll talk about the second mass shooting in Texas in a month and the reaction at home and on the presidential trail. But before we do, I want to thank our TribCast sponsors. Texas Southern University, become a catalyst, a game changer, a force to be reckoned with. We educate all of Texas. Join us at the Barbara Jordan Mickey Leland School of Public Affairs at tsu.edu. And Texan Sense, help us learn more about what makes Texans tick, what keeps you moving, and what keeps you here by sharing your own Texan Sense story. Texan Sense, presented by Texas A&M University. Do I have to talk you in your head? Do we have to make sense of it? Well, I know you're such a long time. Hello, this is Emily Ramshaw here on Wednesday, September 4th with the Texas Tribune Tribcast, our weekly Texas politics and policy podcast. I'm joined this week by CEO Evan Smith. You know, this is the first time I think in 10 years I've been sitting in this seat. It's because political reporter Alex Samuels is sitting in his seat. Hi, Hello. Alex. because <laughs> Ping Pong Johnson over here gets a new job and all of a sudden she gets handsy with the seats. <laughs> I mean, that's one way of putting it. Uh, I think she qualifies. She's been on the TribCast more than you have lately. She's better at it. Honestly, she can have the seat. I'm done. <laughs> and political reporter Patrick Svitek. Good morning. Good morning. As always. How many 5Ks have you done today, Patrick? Zero. <laughs> We've been learning before this TribCast that Patrick runs uh, has been running 5Ks all across Central Texas this summer, <laughs> including in Lampasas of all places. I think you should spell your name S-V-I-T- 5K. 5K. <laughs> Good idea. Folks, uh, we will be, we'll be taking <laughs> we'll be taking all of your 5K questions in real time uh, on Twitter and Facebook. You can do it using the hashtag Tribcast. All right, uh, on to somber news. Put your somber faces on. We're no more 5Ks. Uh, I want to start with the latest mass shooting to rock the state. This one in the Midland and Odessa area, mere weeks after a horrific uh, racially fueled massacre in El Paso. Uh, Alex, what happened this time around? Right. So everything started with a traffic stop around 3 p.m. this past Saturday. And basically what happened is two DPS troopers pulled over the gunman and he shot one of the troopers, wounded him and then continued driving on and shooting people at random. Eventually, he ditched his own car, um, hijacked a, I think it was a mail carrier van. Yeah, postal yeah. truck or something, yeah. And he killed um, the woman who was driving that van and then continued again shooting people at random. And then it ended with a shootout in front of a movie theater in Odessa. All right. And so we know a lot about the motivations of the El Paso shooting at this point, uh, which was, you know, anti-immigrant, racist, aimed at Mexicans. Uh, and we know this from his manifesto. What do we know about the motive in this particular case, if any? I don't think we know too much. I mean, there have been scattered reports that he was, I believe, fired from a trucking job, um, I think within you know, a couple hours or minutes or so before the shooting. Um, but I think that's what we know so far. I think uh, just going back, I think Governor Greg Abbott tweeted that he had failed a background check in 2014, so he shouldn't have even been able to have a gun. The reason that he got it, I think we learned yesterday, was he got it between a private person-to-person -person sale. And in Texas, there's a loophole, which basically means you can skirt a background check that way. So that's and how the federal background check doesn't pick apply, that up. Right. Right. Well, right. If I'm yeah. selling a gun to Alex, basically, there's no, you know, no information changes hands, nothing goes to the government, there's no background check. And interestingly, where we haven't had a whole lot of discussion of new laws as a result of either El Paso or Odessa, Dan Patrick on Sunday on Fox News, or Monday, pardon me, on Fox News, said, and Chip Roy, congressman from San Antonio, very conservative, said to us yesterday here in a Texas Tribune conversation, they were both open to the idea of revising the law to tighten background checks on private sales between strangers, which would apply, right, Alex, right. in this 
in this case. Like, how do you even do that? I actually thought it was interesting that Dan Patrick said that one thing the qualifier was like that wouldn't he wouldn't want it to qualify if like, you know, I was selling a gun to my brother or I was handing a gun. Well, down that's a to different category, Patrick, right? That's a different category of, of sale. At least when people Family like Dan members. Patrick talk about it, right. they yeah. treat it as a different category. But it is yeah. interesting that it's strangers. It's between strangers. Right. So questions are on like well, how, I don't know you, how you and your how brother you are. do that. Yeah. I don't have a brother, well, so <laughs> it's a trick question, and I passed. I don't have a brother, and I don't have a gun, yeah. so <laughs> neither of these things are going to happen. So well, we talked about Dan Patrick a little bit. Let's talk about the response from top state leaders, um, particularly Governor Greg Abbott. In the last couple of years, we've had the Santa Fe shooting, Sutherland Springs shooting, El Paso. Now this. What kind of pressure are the state's top leaders under Patrick, particularly Governor Abbott? Uh, a lot of it. Um, you know, Greg Abbott's the governor, and so he he obviously naturally takes on a lot of the um, pressure after these events to both be um, someone who helps heal the state, but also charts a path forward mm -hmm. to take action and oversee action so that these things don't happen again. After the uh, El Paso shooting, uh, he put together this Texas Safety Commission that's already met uh, twice, very similar to the group of people he assembled after the Santa Fe uh, high school shooting last year. Um, and he also, after El Paso, put together a domestic terrorism task force that has met once and I believe is going to meet quarterly. Of course, to, to you know, people want swift action. Uh, obviously, Democrats uh, do, but I would argue that some people, you know, even who aren't within a particular partisan box are looking for swift action mm -hmm. from the state leadership. Um, you know, people who are already probably naturally predisposed pre, uh, to not agree with Abbott, not agree with state Republican leadership, uh, pretty much rolled their eyes after he announced, uh, you know, this these another round of mm -hmm. round tables, right. uh, you know, uh, and were very skeptical uh, based on how the Santa Fe roundtables went last time. Now, Abbott will, will point out that there were over 20 laws that came out of those Santa Fe roundtables that he signed into law. Uh, those were <laughs> those were not laws that people liked, uh, but they were that, that people liked who are criticizing him now. But they, right. they were laws nonetheless that came out of it. So there was action. It just wasn't. I don't think the action that a lot of people, particularly within the um, you know gun control uh, movement, wanted to see. Right. Um, so and some of the a lot of those actually were you know in some ways loosening regulations on. Of course. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. And so they went and to some people you know the, he went in the the wrong direction after right. Santa Fe. So they don't have a lot of confidence in him this time. Um, and then the just more broadly that the governorship of of greg abbott has you know included a pretty dramatic expansion of gun rights in texas mm -hmm. uh whether it's uh open carry which went into effect in 2016 or just the the new gun laws uh that went into effect just on sunday one day after the odessa shooting um and you've also had the governor you know talk very uh you know kind of uh, gleefully in the past on social media and political appearances like a lot of texas republicans do about gun culture in texas mm -hmm. and the pride surrounding that um, which that's certainly a part of life, a political life in Texas, at least. But, um, you know, when these tragedies keep happening, some of those remarks start, uh, you know, appearing in a different light, I'd argue. The mm -hmm. conversation right now, Emily, is is effectively this. Thoughts and prayers and hashtags and roundtables aren't cutting it. Mm -hmm. That's what critics of the governors and of state leaders generally say. Mm -hmm. The needle is not moving after El Paso or Odessa or any of these incidents simply on the basis of, you know, I hope, uh, you know, it, it, the problem is in people's hearts or, it's you know, mental illness or it's, you know, you husbands know. shouldn't leave their wives and kids, which was right. something that Matt Schaefer tweeted, among many other things, following the Odessa mm -hmm. thing. Um, people want some kind of concrete action. Not everybody. No, there's not uniform agreement about this. But the frustration with state leadership is 
do something already. And right. state leadership pushes back and says, we are going to do something. As Patrick points out, we're just not going to do the thing that you want. Right. Right. The public is pretty clear on this. The Quinnipiac poll that came out after El Paso, but before Odessa, 93% uh, of the public uh was f for uh, some kind of universal background check. 80% of the public is for a red flag law. Somewhere north of 60% is for uh, a ban on high-capacity uh, magazines or on automatic weapons. Um, you know, at a certain point you, in a representative democracy, you ask elected officials, who at this point are you representing? If well, the public, primary it, voters. If the public <laughs> is at those percentages on these aspects mm -hmm. of potential gun reform, or legislation, and elected officials are saying, no, we're going to go a different way. It's then incumbent upon the public to do something about that because otherwise nothing is going to change. Right. I mean, I thought, you know, Abbott's tweets were interesting. He sort of has had a barrage of tweets over the last couple of days, you know, throwing out what looked like some sort of possible legislative moves, including expedited executions, which, you know, to me is like, if you're about to go on a rampage and, uh, you know, blow away 20 people or something, you're probably likely to be shot in the process of doing that. <laughs> and I think the El Paso shooter even wrote in his manifesto that he expected to get killed. I mean, he right. ended up I think, being apprehended by law Not, enforcement. It can't but. be more expedited, basically, than mm -hmm. that. Um, but, I mean, is he opening the door to a possible special legislative session? Because if there's going to be a legislative solution, you know, 2021 is a long time away. Sure seems like that was shut down today when mm -hmm. 61 Democrats came out and called for a special session on, on gun violence, and the governor's spokesman said pretty much... No. He said solutions take a long time and, you know, it's not worth it to have a basically to put all these folks in a room and have them take a vote down party lines. And, you know, what do you really accomplish? Is there but I mean, I'd argue that so far we haven't, you know, Abbott was asked about a special session after the El Paso shooting and gave an answer uh, that I'd argue pretty firmly closed the door mm -hmm. on it. But that was before there was a second one of these. Post-Odessa yeah. shooting, I feel like based on this, I mean, clearly the, the governor's office had a, a spirited statement mm -hmm. this morning, but I, I didn't interpret that statement as slamming the door shut. I think that statement was perhaps more of a reflection of just frustration with the, um, you know, allegedly partisan. Yeah, you know, God, forbid, God forbid anybody should take a political stance at a moment sure. like this because <laughs> that would be wrong. So, yeah, right? I mean. Come on. Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily been explicitly ruled out. They haven't said it in so many words. They're not going to bring him back. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, they're not going to bring him back because when you bring back somebody for a special session, as we have seen in the past, opens up the, door to the call is open. Right. I mean, I've had some Republicans say that actually the Bonn and MQS situation is the greatest argument against a special session because if they come back in special session, what if the members of the House make a call to vacate the chair? Can the governor, right. I mean, the reality is there's a lot that yeah. could happen unintended yeah. when you open the Bonin call probably, up for a special session. Bonin probably also pushing for no special session. Is there, Could the governor oh, go ahead, Alex? I was just saying Bonin just named today, I think, 13 members who mm -hmm. wanted to serve on these special legislative committees. And I think Dan Patrick's going to roll out a list, too. So it'd be interesting to see if there was a special session, how those two groups would coincide or if, you know. You know, making these special. Of course, they can work without a special having. session, right? Yeah. They can do mm -hmm. it. I mean, and it's the fact an and the fact committee. is much, yeah. much more than a lot of what's been said. You know, the interim committee on public school finance actually made a material contribution to fixing school finance. Mm -hmm. Two sessions ago, the select committee on mental health that Joe Strauss appointed made a significant contribution in the interim 
to legislation that that was passed and signed into law on mental health. Those things aren't nearly as politically fraught. No, but if you're talking about anything that's been proposed so far that has the potential to change the conversation, one thing I think is these committees maybe do have the ability in the interim to come up with something Mm -hmm. in the absence of a special session that ultimately produces something in 21. Is the public going to want to wait until 2021? That's the point. Right. Well, what? And did, how many more? Not to be right. too cynical, but how many more incidents? How many more? Not even right. cynical. I mean, almost certainly we had there two will be. In, in the span of four weeks or whatever. Uh, right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Alex, what did the uh, Texas Democrats do today? Right. So as Evan mentioned earlier, I think it was 61 Democrats signed a letter to Governor Greg Abbott basically asking him to call them back for a special session on gun violence. And I think Senator Beverly Powell also sent a letter to Abbott yesterday. Um, Per my understanding of the letter, no other senator signed on with her. That doesn't mean that, you know, the Democratic senators are against it. She was just the one who happened to send the letter. Um, And they're holding a series of press conferences. Um, There was one in Austin this morning, I think one in Dallas that already happened, one in El Paso, and I think Houston, too, um, really just sending the message that they want Abbott to call them back. But, um, you know, I think, as Evan also said, um, uh, the governor's spokesman seemingly dumped a bucket of cold water on, you know, whether the Democrats' message will actually mean anything. Right. Uh, And then on the other end of the spectrum, we have legislators like Matt Schaefer, who made his own headlines over the weekend in a series of tweets that went viral nationally. What happened there? Evan, you were talking about it a little bit with uh, the well, right after the Odessa, right after the Odessa shooting, Representative Schaefer, who was formerly the chair of the Freedom Caucus, represents uh, Tyler and his district. I think extends into other communities in East Texas. He uh, did a six-tweet thread, basically saying no to red flag laws, no to reform legislation that would in any way walk up to the line of either taking guns or limiting access to guns or limiting access to ammo. But yes to a bunch of cultural um, things. I'm I'm hard to come up with exactly the right word, but things like, as I said, you know, yes to husbands not leaving their wives Mm -hmm. and and families. He was was making it more about non-gun stuff. Social, cultural issues. Social, cultural. And he immediately got ratioed. Uh, on on Twitter, he immediately got this massive blowback. I mean, some people supported him, but a lot of people were upset. And there were a lot of na- it was one of these things where all of a sudden Michael McKeon, you know, Hollywood actor, squ- Squiggy from Laverne and Shirley, which <laughs> Alex has never seen. Me either. But uh, uh, David St. Hubbins and Spinal Tap, much more important. Mm-hmm. Um, and a bunch of other Hollywood people started uh, crawling up Matt Schaefer's nose. I mean, it's exactly the kind of thing that happens these days. You know, it's like, don't look now. Ted Cruz is fighting with Bette Midler on Twitter. You right. know, this is sort of what happened over the weekend. <laughs> right. So um, it, it became, he, and he, all of a sudden he was trending on Twitter nationally yeah. over this stuff. What I thought was interesting was, um, obviously everyone focused on the Matt Schaefer tweet, but he was the out, he's been the outlier, mm-hmm. I think, in the House, within the House Republican totally. Caucus in terms of speaking out in a really visceral way on this. That I don't remember another, been, I don't remember another member being as out there, no, right? No, absolutely not. I, any, not I, mean, I saw like Briscoe Kane the other day tweet about how the uh, Texas GOP platform includes opposition to red flag laws, but mm-hmm. otherwise Schaefer has been kind of the lone voice on this side. I'm sure there's a Stickland tweet. I should put an asterisk there. I'm sure there's a <laughs> Facebook just told tweet. me today <laughs> is his birthday. <laughs> exactly. So, but I'm just saying that you, you, you haven't seen, um, you know, for all the attention paid to that mm-hmm. tweet, you haven't seen a public outcry from other uh, House Republican right. members about that. Well, I think um, their constituents are pissed too. I mean, everybody's, you know. If, which, yeah, you know, which I think illustrates, even in some traditionally Republican right, districts, right. how, um, you know, this is no longer the third rail oh, it's enough that already. you may have once thought well, it was. And again, you don't want to politicize something like this. 
but if we're going to talk about the politics of this, one place where there is a lot more openness, a traditional Republican stronghold where there is a lot more openness to this kind of discussion is in the suburbs, exactly where the Republicans are beginning to lose market share. Right. right? Suburban women are concerned, according to polls about these issues, are more open to some kinds of restrictions, and that politically is perilous heading into an election like the one we're about to have. All right. All right, well, before our next topic, I'd like to thank two more TribCast sponsors, the Texas Association of Community Colleges. Texas Community Colleges provide pathways for all Texans to advance to the next level. We are accessible, affordable, and relevant. Visit TACC.org. And the Central Texas Regional Mobility Agency. Read The Truth About Tolling, exposing three common myths that keep Texas from making real progress on transportation on TribTalk.org. Also, one more great piece of Texas Tribune Festival news before we move on. Uh, We are pleased to report that U.S. Senator Ted Cruz of Texas will sit down for a live podcast taping of Why Is This Happening with Chris Hayes, host of All In with Chris Hayes on MSNBC on Saturday of the Fest, September 28th. Let's save you a seat. Get your tickets today at festival.texastribune.org. It's going to be a hot ticket, that one, I think. It is going to be a hot ticket. Tough to get into that one. Uh, yes, this is, I think Evan may be more proud of this particular score than almost anything else. Anything else. <laughs> anything yeah. else. All right, uh, Evan, uh, let's stick with you and talk about Bill Flores, the latest uh, Republican yeah. in Congress, uh, the latest shoe to drop among Texas Republicans in Congress. Uh, he's what, number five, number he's six? The, he's the fifth Texas Republican uh, uh, member of the, of the congressional delegation, Republican member from Texas, to announce he would not come back next time. Um, here is an indication of how we were all caught off guard by this. We didn't even have a pre-write, which in non, for non-journalists out there means you know something is coming, you expect something is coming, you write a story that you kind of don't publish, but you kind of have it ready to go in the event this happens. So likely is that that that's going to That's what we occur. do with all of your obituaries, yeah. My obituary? <laughs> Not yours. I mean, you Tribcast <laughs> listeners. <laughs> yeah. If you're a person in politics or policy and you're listening to this Tribcast, we probably have right. an obituary pre-written PRB, I need to go look and see if my obituary <laughs> is a pre-write right now um, in the CMS. You don't get to write your own. Emma. No, you don't. Um, but, but anyway, so we, we were caught so off guard by this that we weren't even prepared to publish a story about Flores. That's actually not true, according to I'm being well, looped Ab- in real no, time. Well, Abby, we technically did have a pre-write. It just hadn't been edited yet. Well, Abby told me this morning that they had started working on it, but they didn't finish it because they were so convinced that it wasn't going to happen. Other priorities, yes. Other priorities. So starting on it anyway. is not the same as having one. Well, the mm-hmm. point, though, is, is that we were not expecting this. And I think that, in fact... If you look at Politico's reporting today and the reporting of others, Republicans in Washington were not given a heads up about this. Not that they were caught surprised. I mean, they thought, well, this is not that surprising. But and, and the thing is, none of these retirements is the same as every other. Mm-hmm. Heard is not Flores. Flores is not Conaway. Conaway is not Marchant. Marchant is not Olson. These districts are not the same. These members are not the same. The reasons for retiring are not the same. But, take it but at together. a certain point, you have to ask yourself, what the hell is going on here? Right. Right? And there could be anywhere from one to four more Republicans who decide not to run again. Chip Roy yesterday weirdly refused to say, asked repeatedly whether he was running again. Huh. In my interview with him yesterday morning, um, there's been talk about Mike McCall potentially. Mike McCall says mm-hmm. he's running, but there have been rumors about McCall. There's certainly been talk about John Carter. There's absolutely been talk about Mac Thornberry. So you've got four other Republicans who are potentially, potentially set up to follow these five. Maybe none will retire. Mm-hmm. But what's going on here? So what is going on? 
I think everybody's scared shitless about 2020 and thinking that they're going to be back in an unenviable minority position if they win, and that's the best case scenario, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, I guess we should know Flor Flores's seat is a pretty solidly Republican seat. As Conaway's was, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so yeah. He's, the, he's the second of these five tex Texodus retirements, if you want to call them that, uh, that <laughs> is not necessary. Texodus? That's what it was. Oh, the Texodus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got it. Um, so he's the second of these five Texas retirements. I'll just stick with Texas for now. Um, that is in a district that is not believed to be competitive. So you have Conaway right. and then him. Uh, not believed to be on the board or flippable in, in mm -hmm. 2020. Flores won re-election last cycle, I think, by 16 points. Uh, the guy who ran last time, Rick Kennedy, a uh, Democrat, is, is running against him again. Uh, it's a pretty heavy Trump district also, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, not likely to flip, but to Evan's point, I mean, you can make the argument that regardless of whether these individual members believe that they're personally going to have a tough race in 2020, mm -hmm. they're looking at a... They just don't want to be there. Exactly. They're just <laughs> right. staring down the, the prospect of continuing to remain in the minority, mm -hmm. which is not fun. Right. And it's also, you know, it is in these open races that things happen that you don't anticipate. You don't know who the Republicans end up nominating for that seat. You don't know the fact that it's now an open seat if another Democrat, a stronger Democrat, potentially gets in that race. You don't know. I mean, I, I think open seats are always peril. You know, Flores and Conaway were both popular members. They were not going to lose. The problem was not that they were unpopular. Mm -hmm. The problem is that because they were popular, they go away. You don't know who's going to be in those races now. Are they likely to flip? No. Patrick is exactly right. Mm -hmm. But there's a narrative that is developing, and it is not helped when someone like Flores, who people were not expecting to retire, all of a sudden drops a bomb like that. Right. Right? Yep. What is the perception? I don't think Texas is in play at the presidential level any more than I did before Flores. But there's just a narrative developing, right? That's kind of what's going on. Mm -hmm. All right, well, let's uh, pivot to the presidential narrative and do that uh, round of the show that involves checking in on all the Texans in the presidential race. They're polling their F-bombs on TV, their environment plans. Uh, Patrick, let's start with you, and let's talk about Beto O'Rourke. What's the latest on where he stands in the horse race? What's the latest on the headlines he's making uh, on national TV. <laughs> well, bo both him and the other Texan, Castro, have not changed significantly in the polls for basically the whole summer. Mm. Uh, you could argue basically dating back to late spring. They're both still polling, <laughs> not to be too harsh, <laughs> right. but I mean, you haven't seen a huge shakeup in terms of where they're at in national and early state polls. Um, O'Rourke, you know, in the past, since we last had TripCast, you know, has continued this uh, streak of speaking about racism, speaking about gun violence uh, in a much more unvarnished and unfiltered way. Um, you know, he reacted to the uh, Odessa shooting at a campaign stop in Virginia by, you know, saying, uh, going on this, uh, you know, I don't, I'm going to say rant, but I don't mean it negatively. I mean, just a very uh, emotional. Going off. Yeah, going yeah. off. We'll just call it going off. <laughs> uh, that included, the, you know, saying that this is effed up, and mm -hmm. he repeated it on a Sunday show the next day. On CNN, or uh, where was he? Yeah. It was, yeah, I was on some Sunday show. Yep. Um, his campaign uh, created a T-shirt with the phrase on it and sold it, and the proceeds went to uh, some uh, anti-gun violence groups. Um, so you're still, you know, again, I mean, I don't doubt the authenticity of his reaction mm -hmm. to that event, at least initially, mm -hmm. um, you know, and what he's, uh, you know, and, and what he's saying. Uh, but you're really seeing, I think, an effort by him to continue to try to be the candidate who m now more than ever is disregarding what's politically um, appropriate or not politically appropriate and trying to kind of be himself. Um, and, 
as I just pointed out so far, he hasn't been rewarded by it mm-hmm. um, in the polls. Um, we now have, you know, this upcoming week we have the, uh, or next week, we have the, the debate in Houston, uh, which will be an opportunity for both Castro uh, and O'Rourke, um, you know, to talk about the unique advantages they bring to the race being from Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and O'Rourke, I'm sure, will we'll talk a lot about his ability to potentially win Texas in a general election. They're so that's both stuck all the way to the far right of the debate right. stage. Yeah. I saw. yeah, right <laughs> next to each other. Wedged <laughs> next to each other on the end. Yeah. <laughs> Side note, what happens to you when you drop an F-bomb on, Nash- on national television? At least on my, uh, watching it on my aforementioned new tv they did not they did not <laughs> it. i don't know if you know central time mountain time pacific time if they ended up censoring it but um it was not censored on my tv hmm. uh, all right alex uh what about julian castro the guy with a million and one policy plans that keep getting rolled out right so yesterday he rolled out i think parts one and two of five oh of God. his climate plan mm-hmm. um and this all comes ahead of a cnn climate town hall slated to take place tonight i think it's a seven hour affair someone fact check me on that but i think it, it begins is, at it is. yeah Castro's at first actually at, at 5 p.m and then i think it might end with booker at like close to 11 from what i understand wow. um yeah so it's a long thing happening um so castro's plan takes a lot from a uh, green new deal principles or at least that's how he was trying to tout the plan in kind of an email blast to supporters yesterday um his big thing is uh, it's a 10 trillion dollar plan which i think is double the amount o'rourke actually wanted to spend on his own climate plan i think patrick you wrote that story but it might have been five trillion for o'rourke and 10 trillion for castro big dollars um, right and he wants to make i think all energy clean and renewable by 2035 is castro's big goal in there um so of course you know during this town hall tonight especially since he's first up and people will probably be you know still paying attention to everyone on stage will have a chance to kind of show voters why he maybe could be the leading voice on this issue i think it's interesting that this is happening after uh jay inslee dropped out of the race because he made climate his number one issue so i think uh castro along with all the other democrats in the race are trying to show you know they can now be the leading voice Take on the climate vo- vote right mm-hmm. yeah great uh, and patrick you were with um julian castro in houston this past week for a different event right Yes, there was a presidential forum held at the annual meeting of the, um, I believe it's the Islamic Society of North America. It's known or believed to be one of the largest Muslim American gatherings uh, every year in the country. And they invited most of the most, if not all, <coughs> excuse me, the presidential candidates, and only Castro and Bernie Sanders showed up. Hmm. And uh, you know, uh, they were polite and everything, but it, you know, you spoke to some folks there, and it was not lost on them that in this huge sprawling field. And at a time when the community that was represented there feels so uh, deeply targeted by the president and his mm-hmm. policies that only two of the Democratic wow. presidential candidates showed up. So that, I think, did not go unnoticed. Bernie Sanders got a, a pretty enthusiastic reception. Um, he gave a pretty, I, I haven't seen him speak a lot because I'm here in Texas, but <laughs> he gave what I would consider a pretty meaty speech, mm-hmm. at least compared to the, the more concise speech that Castro gave, uh, touching on, you know, kind of, this is Sanders touching on some of his normal campaign themes, but also really zeroing in on some some specific foreign policy issues affecting uh, the Muslim world. And so uh, he got a pretty good reception, and, and Castro did too. I think they were just grateful to have those two candidates there while also keeping in mind that they want to see more from the rest of the field that, uh, you know, didn't view it as, uh, you know, important enough of, of their time to be there. Great. Uh, uh, last question, y'all. Uh, Patrick, we've got some House special elections on the horizon. Uh, who's up? Who's out? What can we expect from that? 
Yeah, so we've got three House special elections on November 5th, the filing deadline. Texas House. Yep. Yes, the filing deadline is actually uh, this evening, the evening of Wednesday. And um, the most important one of these is without a doubt House District 28, where State Representative John Zerwas, mm -hmm. Republican from Richmond, uh, is retiring. This is a seat that de state Democrats were already eyeing before he decided to retire. Um, because he won by single digits, uh, he won re-election by single digits last cycle. I think it was an eight or nine mm -hmm. points. So you know, kind of on the kind of on the on the radar there. Still a bit of an uphill battle for Democrats. But it's in um, Fort Bend County, right? Yeah, but right. it's in Fort Bend County, a county a that has the, has largely yeah. started to flip. Right. right. And what you've seen so far is you've seen a bunch of Republicans line up for the special election. I think there's six or seven candidates. We'll see what it's like at filing tonight. Uh, and then one Democrat, uh, Eliz Markowitz, I think is her name. And you, from what I've seen, most of the local Republican or local Democratic groups and activists have kind of coalesced around her. Mm -hmm. And so what you're going to have here is you're probably going to have a runoff mm -hmm. and there's going to be. The, the sole Democrat is going to make it on the basis of being the sole Democrat. And there's going to be only really one Republican ticket into that runoff. And so you can have kind of a reverse. Uh, so, Pete so it's, every, right. so it's everybody. San Antonio. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's like a jungle primary, right? It's everybody. Yeah, all it's a special election. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's no primary. So right. it's, a yeah. jungle, so jungle it's, it's a jungle situation yeah. effectively. Um, and so and that would if Democrats are able to flip the seat again, I consider an uphill battle, but it's, it's within reach. I would mm -hmm. say if they were able to flip the seat heading into this election cycle where the state house a majority is on the line where you're seeing other Democratic uh, inroad, inroads making elsewhere. Um, this would be a huge psychological boost for them going to that election. And the interesting thing is Zerwas Zer temperamentally is more of a sort of softer edge Republican, um, right? I mean, he right. was the one pushing for a Medicaid expansion. Right. So assuming that because of what Patrick is talking about, if the Republicans mm -hmm. nominate somebody who is significantly more conservative mm -hmm. in a district that is already starting to flip politically, that could get really interesting. Right. Although these are, tend to be really low turnout and runoffs are particularly low turnout. So, so the other two specials are the Jessica Farrar seat, which again is a solid Democratic seat, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. At least by history. And then the third one is... Uh, Eric Johnson's Eric seat. Johnson this is the one Dallas, that has, same. is already mm -hmm. vacant since he became Dallas mayor earlier this this summer mm -hmm. correct um, and in both those in both those seats they're solidly Democratic you're seeing uh, you know eight to ten Democrats lining up in each seat um, no one I would argue is a you know runaway front runner at this point so those races very abbreviated will we'll play out and we'll see who emerges great all right well that's all the time we have this week thanks to Texan since Texas Southern University the Texas Association of Community Colleges and the Central Texas Regional Mobility Agency our sponsors this week and an extra special thanks as always to Spoon for our theme music on behalf of Evan Alex Patrick and our producers Todd and Bobby this is Emily thanks for listening Do I have to talk to you? Do I have to talk to you?